hello and welcome to the Hello to Jizz podcast. My guest this week is Capo Pavolainen of One Day Coffee. Capo is the reigning Finnish barista champion and has a lot of experience across Brewers Cup, barista of course, and as well as judging and coaching. For more info, you can head to onedaycoffee.co. Capo is an endless fountain of competition knowledge, so let's get stuck in. You know how the podcast works, right? There's eight sets of triangulations in front of you. You taste each cup, and in each set, you push the odd one out over the line. Enjoy. All right. Well, hello, Capo, and welcome to the Hello Judges podcast. Hi. It's uh, it's very good to be here. I'm, I'm very. I was very happy to get the invitation, and it's it's an honor. Yeah. Awesome. Like you're someone that has got a lot of experience in the competition scene um you've been around a little while doing various different things so i suppose we'll delve into all the different bits of that and hopefully it should be quite enjoyable for everyone listening let's well, it's gonna be fun i think awesome so we'll start off nice and light uh, i see you're drinking at the moment um are you drinking coffee yes yes i am i just made myself a really nice ever so slightly uh two coarsely ground uh cup of geisha from pink Immaculata in colombia oh amazing have you roasted that yourself on your stronghold no this was actually roasted by our production roaster he uses a loring s7 nighthawk and this is this is our uh what we usually serve as our main geisha at our coffee shop so i'm just you know i just grabbed a bag like last week and i was like i'm gonna test that now like we'll see if it's good this is around uh like a month off off of roast which is perfect for for this like and i've I've been testing it for like like ever every week but now i'm just trying to start to find that this is actually like getting nice now amazing yeah i do find with loring roasts that they definitely want like a longer rest time than traditional drum roasters oh yeah so I suppose we can tie that a little bit into competition because I'm assuming you roast most of your competition coffees on the stronghold. Um, yes. What's the sort of degassing and like approach to roasting on that for competition? Well, it really, uh, really depends on the coffee. Like um, what I've noticed is that density plays a lot of ish- plays a lot of effect into the way that we roast coffee on a stronghold because stronghold has the ultraviolet uh light or the starlight that they call it or uv lights that are used to enhance be- inner bean development during uh the first two phases uh, the first two thirds of the roast so what i usually do with that is i blast especially if it's like a uh, more more denser bean like uh, la palma cedra or ecuadorian cedra or something like that i usually blast it with a lot of uv alongside uh hotter roast or hotter uh air temperature in order to maximize the inner bean development later on during the roast and i usually taper off the uv before first crack and then what that does what i've noticed is you get a faster degassing time on the strongholds so what you can do is you can create smaller batches that degas their best optimal performance like performance around in a week 
which is really awesome because then you can just you know save up on your coffee and you can start roasting uh day batches for like for the competition like a week before the whole thing and then it's just a matter of transporting the coffee to the uh, competition location great that's really interesting i'd like i still a bit um out of the loop with stronghold um but that's really interesting i suppose obviously not the same heat application but with something like an akawa for example i find they degas quite quickly as well and they're like when i competed i used akawa roasts uh maybe like nine days off roast i think it was yep yeah, we also have a cafe logic nowadays for like super 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 tiny lots like you know the eugenoides that we get uh we get it in super tiny quantities and we roast it at like 50 gram increments because that's it's 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 nice um who so who represented finland in melbourne there was nobody representing Finland in Melbourne. There was there's currently no functional SCA in Finland to set up competitions. So I'm like from a certain point of view, I'm still the reigning Finnish burst champion. So there is that, but it's it's a problem. Like what I've been trying to work on is activating the SCA here. Maybe even considering getting into the SCA myself and doing it but it's still very hard because we don't have enough people like finland is very small the coffee scene is even smaller and the sca is mostly volunteer work which yeah. makes it even harder for uh the small amount of people who want to compete get into the sca in order for other people to compete so it's a problem yeah running these events is it's like no easy operation is it like i'm so grateful here in the uk that we do have such a you know a good season and it's run by you know the sca uk lots of volunteers giving up a lot of their spare time and all the judges as well it's um it's not no small operation yes uh the judges in the uk are are amazing here's a shout out to matt north <laughs> he's a friend he's a friend lots of uh lots of experience under the belt of matt and a lot of the other um long reigning uk judges so um about how you got into competing like when you competed for the first time and why you decided to do it uh first time i competed in 2018 i did brewers the first time it was kind of like a it wasn't a no-brainer it was more like a you know one of those decisions that you don't really think at first you're like oh i can compete i can do it it doesn't seem too hard like there's like we got good coffee here let's go uh so then i started looking at looking into it like what did i get myself into and as i started looking at other people's presentations from past years and i was like shit that's what i got myself into now so i have like i decided that right, so i'm gonna be i'm gonna put it my all and i'm just gonna do it for for the you know trying to be the best as i can be and you know ended up placing second with like a horribly under roasted uh oh my lots 
gay natural geisha from Gesha village. But, you know, it's, it is what it is. That's kind of like, that kind of started what I wanted to do with the competition scene is that to push it forward, especially here in Finland, where we don't have a, let's just say that we don't have a very well-established uh, competition scene. There's only a few competitors who compete every year. And the people who are thinking about competing, they're very unsure about it. So there's not a lot of encouragement, which is something that I wanted to change. And then after that, I think I, then I started doing baristas in 2019. I went from brewers to baristas because at the time there were literally only three competitors for baristas. And out of the three competitors, two were baby baristas who had just started. And one of them had, was a, was a more experienced, uh, with multiple competitions under, under their belts. And I was like, that's not a competition. That's not, you can't like, that's not, that's not fair. Just give them the tickets and like call them champion and send them off to Milan. And uh, no, it was in, it was in Budapest that time, I think, or Athens. I can't remember. And I was like, okay, so this is, this is, uh, that's why I'm going into baristas. I'm going into baristas, not because I, I want to do necessarily do it, but because I have to make it into a competition in order for there to be a challenge for everybody else competing. So ended up placing second as well, like made two mistakes. Uh, I made two mistakes on my signature drink, which ended up causing me the competition. And then the year after that, uh, I won it, won the baristas, which was, which was good. It was fun. It was a good competition. It's amazing considering like how few competitors like there must be in Finland, like the quality that comes out. So I had a question from uh, someone on Instagram called David is coffee. And he said, uh, there's a lot of really talented coffee people in Finland. Like what's the source? What, like why is that sort of um, level so high? Oh, that's actually a really good question. Um, probably because we're kind of and this is okay this is a weird answer to that but kind of because we're suffering from the scandinavian and nordic light roast situation is because the environment where everybody's working at right now is <clears throat> uh everybody's roasting technically the same coffees sourced from ally from nordic approach from falcon specialty and all the roasters are using the same machines and roasting them to the same standard, which means that the baristas who are there have to utilize all of their wits and all of their sort of resources in order to make those coffees taste as good as possible because customers can literally go to the next coffee shop and get the same stuff. So in order for them to distinguish themselves or the, or the coffee shops to distinguish themselves, they're very tied on their uh human resources are very tied to their human resources in terms of uh baristas the training of the baristas but also because people are interested people want to learn more people want to push themselves to be better people want to 
experience better or they want to taste better coffees and they want to drink better quality beverages which in its own right pushes pushes the sort of level of quality but in just a very 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 tight circle which is very um which kind of brings this problem that these are the own people that we only hear about because they're the ones who are going to be vocal on social media. They're the ones who are going to compete. They're the ones who are going to get themselves out there. And it kind of creates this bubble that, of course, yes, Finland has a lot of trained and quali- um, high quality coffee people because those are the ones that we see. But it's I would say that those people co- are coming from a very, very, very tight circle. But it's still in comparison, like if we take into consideration the size of the specialty coffee scene, I would say the quality is still very high. Well, um, can you tell me a little bit about your new project, One Day Competitors? Like, what is it? What are you doing? And why have you decided to do it? Okay, that's actually really, I'm super excited about this because uh, we've got a lot of of people interested about this because when I competed in Milan, it was very, very demoralizing in a sense because you end up going as a technically an individual competitor, just, you know, with your own money and your own effort and everything like that, with no big company backing you or pushing like, you know, you to be better. You're just trying to be there like, this is something that I made, like, hey guys, this is amazing. And then there are these big companies like Ona uh, and Onyx with absolutely massive budgets for the competitions. And then you're, going there against these people and you're like i don't even stand a chance like how can i compete against this machine that's literally steamrolling everything on its path and uh it was it was difficult i was i was very like after the first round i was like i'm done this is i'm never doing this again like not gonna this is no way there's no way that none nobody in scandinavia is ever going to win these competitions because we literally can't push 200k onto a single competitor and that training because we don't have those resources and i was like how on earth is this a fair competition which which like which got me thinking and as I grew, as as my com- as my company grew, and I was like, okay, so this has uh, constantly been on my mind. Like, how can we make this competition scene a little bit more democratic and a little bit more accessible to people from not from big companies, not from uh, massive funded or massively well funded competition teams, and that's when I decided, that, all right, so what we're going to do is we're going to optimize as much as we can. And we're going to be super strategic with our resources. And we are going to use all of our connections from uh, all of our coffee producers. And we will outright just give coffee to competitors who have potential, who have uh, sort of like the I'm gonna call I'm gonna call it the fire to show and to show up and just try to push the envelope a little bit 
and we're going to enable these people because it's not that it's not because funding does make a great difference but you still have to have good raw ingredients and what we want to do with the one day competitors is level the playing field a little bit by giving access to competitors to literally the best coffee that we can get for them which is a lot of good coffee because uh, my company one day was mostly doing sourcing uh, and we source really high-end coffees for Chinese and Saudi Arabian companies so what we're what I decided that all right so we're going to use those same coffees that we already source and we're going to uh, give them out to competitors uh, which is literally like we can get them geishas from Ecuador from Panama from that are literally like 93 92 94 points uh we can get them experimental lots from colombian farms which are just no one's ever heard of no one's ever tasted anything like that we can get them eugenoides we can get them whatever they need we're just going to have to be super tactical about it and how we how we provide those coffees and how we are going to help those competitors uh so what we do with one day uh, competitors is that we offer them the training, we offer them the coffee, we offer them the uh, sort of the consultancy and the guidance to do well in their national competitions in order for them to push the best possible quality to their nationals and then maybe win those nationals and then go to worlds. And then at worlds, we're going to do, literally form this competition team that is all working together in order to do better and in order to not work as an individual but pool resources and pool the know-how and the knowledge in order to create something better than an individual competitor could do alone that's amazing it sounds like such a good idea i'm uh i'm really excited to see like who jumps on the board with you like i'm hoping to see some like you know names that we've never heard of before because the competition scene's quite like especially internationally quite full of these like competition celebrities like people who do well year on year and you know you know you see some people at worlds year on year and it would be great to you know use this opportunity to grow the pool we've got um exactly one thing i'd like to know is how like how are you going to manage it financially because buying the like sourcing these amazing you know 94 point coffees and so on uh is not going to be cheap for you and then there's all your time and stuff um so like how do you manage the cost and how does it benefit you well that's actually a really good question because how we're managing it uh, financially is that we work with these farms as partners so because we already purchased the coffee for our other clients, we can negotiate. We It gives us a relationship with these farms and we can negotiate. I can negotiate with these farms and be like, hey, I have this amazing foundation and I've already purchased like containers of your coffee for other other clients. Like, would you would it be OK if I purchase a little bit, like maybe just 12 kilos, maybe 12 and a half, uh, six and a half, something like that? for these individual competitors. And if like against like, against marketing, against 
um, against contracts to use your coffee at Worlds, against um, against potentially increasing their market share. So what we are doing is we're also trying to work with the farms that we uh, get the coffee from in order to boost their sales in uh, the competitors uh, in or the competitors individual country. So which in the end, if we get enough competitors, what I'm aiming for is around six in Europe, maybe two in US, maybe one in Australia, and maybe one in Asia if we have uh, if there's enough interest. But what we try to do is we what I'm trying to do is create the demand for the coffee so that it will be in the best interest of the farms to actually provide us a small amount at a lower price, which is then being taken care of by my company. Because if I can reduce the price a little bit, it's not going to be that much because those coffees are the ones that I'm buying anyway for myself. I'm just going to increase the quantity just a little bit more. So it's not, it's not, uh in monetary terms it's not that big of a commitment for one day it is rather a it's rather uh, more about the relationship that we can build with the farms than uh in terms of like what one day gets out of it for the competitors is that we do have contractual uh there are contractual obligations. We have contracts for the competitors. Uh, they have to do some level of social marketing, uh, social media marketing. Uh, we've agreed minimum 12 uh, Instagram posts, which is one per month, and maximum uh, 24, which is two per month. So we get a little bit of visibility. We get uh, also the competitors are competing under one day's name. Like alongside their own name, like if they have another if they have another uh, company, it's a joint uh, competition venture, but it's under one day slash another company. So we get a team representing us at Worlds. That's great. It makes loads of sense. Like, thank you for being you know transparent about the sort of contractual. Uh, obligations between the competitor and yourselves like it does sound entirely mutually beneficial from you know my understanding of it uh, i suppose what you were talking about with um the coffee sourcing side of it ties in with what you presented in milan with um how you'd worked on the koji processing in colombia and now we're starting to see a bit of a demand for that in the market and i feel like if you've already had some success with that, which has benefited, you know, producers, then it makes sense that this would attempt to replicate that sort of thing. Yes. Uh, so in Milan, we, um, I worked with Christopher Ferran to create this new Koji process, and we open sourced it in Milan, uh, coordinated the release, and we've been helping producers in multiple different countries to create Kojified coffees to increase the quality that they're going to be, they're going to be able to uh, get out of their coffees with the process. And uh, what that project, the initial costs that were taken care of by Shadi and Elias Bayer and El Vergel, 
uh, those have already been covered just from the sales of the Koji or their Kojified coffee, which is amazing because the research cost wasn't that high. It was already pretty much created by Christopher and myself uh, when we presented it to Elias and Shadi. Uh, it was already a full pro a finished product. It was just some material costs, but that's that those are already taken care of and they're already making a profit on the codified copies which are being sold more like which i'm seeing more and more every day and according to my last calculation the codify koji coffee or koji processed coffee now is being done in five or six different origins it's being done in guatemala in uh in colombia in Brazil, in Peru, in India, in Vietnam. No, it's in it's in seven places. It's in it's in China as well. So there's a it's it's rapidly spreading more and more. And it is now actually it's funny because just last week we got our first people talking against it uh, in uh in Colombia, and I was like, okay, so that's interesting. Like, people like people are actually talking about that it's a it's a negative thing. But you know, those people had vested interest in selling their own processes. But you know, they say that you're not defined by your friends; you're defined by your enemies. And I'm just happy that I'm happy to see that people are going against it because <laughs> it just it just shows that people are taking it seriously, which I real which I appreciate. Yeah, growth and evolution comes from critical thinking from all sides, right? Yes. So, um, Alan Girard of 50% uh, Arabica fame is your um, first named uh, client for one day uh, competitors. Yes. How did, uh, how did you come about getting him on board? No, we, we were talking before. Like we've, we've been talking on social media for a while because we both share a mutual love for minimal ambient music so we've been just you know fanning out fanboying out about that and uh after a while i told him like hey I've, I've got this idea for this foundation and i've got this this is how it's going to go this is how where i'm going to run it uh and I, I just i had seen that he was in the top six in london coffee masters and I was like, hey, like I saw you did this. Like, would you be interested in doing brewers or baristas in your own country, like next year or whenever? And it was like, yeah, actually, I, I had been thinking about it. And so what I, I suggested is like, all right, so I'll provide you with the training, with the uh, with the coaching and the coffee, and you'll compete under one day and your own brand. And he was like, let's go. So. <laughs> That's uh, that's the reason why he's on board, because which is also very good because he's very very very, he's got reach on Instagram. Yeah, for sure he does. Uh, I had a message from uh, our mutual friend uh, Joey Jackson, uh, whose uh, question was, "Hey mate, can we work together again and sell some amazing brewers coffee?" So maybe you should uh, chat with Joey. Of course, we we can talk. We can totally talk about that. Joey, I actually helped him a little bit already on his previous 
competition run. I sourced some coffee for him that was going to be uh, his competition coffee. Uh, but, you know, things happened. So that didn't, that ended up didn't happening. So ended up not happening. So it's fine. But, you know, those are the things that uh, why you need to have coaches present at trainings and at nationals. Otherwise, you'll, which is something that I learned early on is that you have to have, you got to have, if you're doing trainings, you have to have physical sessions and you have to be there before the national competition. You have to be there for the nationals as a coach, because if you're not there as a coach, it's putting a lot of effort and a lot of strain on the competitor to actually get everything in order. So you have to have somebody who's just taking care of lists, just taking care of checklists and uh, making sure that the competitor is only focusing on like the essentials that they need to be focusing on before they go on stage. So having a good support team is invaluable when it comes to doing well in nationals and doing well at worlds. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important to have somebody to manage the systems so the competitor can focus on competing. Yeah, so with with Brewers Cup, like, you know, Joey sort of fell down in the compulsory aspect of it, which is super challenging. Like, I know in particular in the UK, I've seen um, previous champions and previous people who've been in the finals multiple times, like not even make it through the heats because of the compulsory round. Um, so what's your, I feel like I'm forever talking about Brewers Cup compulsory. It's like, a, I feel like it's really at the core of like, okay, this is about like, how do you brew a coffee that you've never, you know, that you don't know what it is? How do you make that taste the best possible? Do you have a sort of um, off-the-shelf approach to how you would coach a competitor through something like that? Yes. So there is. It's actually really that would so there's a it's a, there's that's a multifaceted question because like I, I have a couple of couple of things I need to talk about uh, about that because Brewers Cup in the end. Like if you really, really simmer it down to like its core components is it's about the compulsory and about your technical skills. Everything else comes down to who's got the best coffee, who's got the best roast, which means that if you go to worlds and you go to finals, it does not matter which coffee you use because everybody's coffee is equally good. Everybody's coffee is equally has an equal chance of winning because it's at the finals, at the top six or the top ten. All of the coffees are roasted perfectly. They've all been packed perfectly and transported perfectly, and they've all been uh, just they're they're perfect coffees with an equal chance of winning because neither of that neither of those coffees has any faults in them, which means that it comes down to the compulsory and the technical skills. Yeah, and yes, technical you could even argue that technical skills aren't that important because at the when you're in the finals, everybody's equally good in terms of technical skills because there's no technical judge at that point. And you're like, so it just comes down to the compulsory in the end, which is why you have to be very analytical in terms of 
how you work the coffee that's given to you during compulsory trainings. You have to be able to analyze it in like five minutes on the first brew, like first test brew that you run with it. You have to be able to taste whether or not or which way you're going to go with that. And uh, with one day, we have two different methods. We have uh, one for light roast and one for dark roast. And then we, depending on the, depending on the uh, applicator, the roast of the coffee, if it's a light roast, we can go with two different methods. We can go with a filter brew or an AeroPress, um, AeroPress, uh, what is it called? Like, um, uh, concentrate and dilution. That's that's good. That's what most people do for, uh, in terms of like worlds, is that they run just run air press dilutions because it's consistent. You can put it down to the gram, and you're getting three consistent cups of coffee from an air press. The problem with air press is that you're concentrating the flavors into such a. Uh, because you're you're pushing air through it, you're aerating the coffee as it goes through the filter and into the cup, and which you're then diluting, which brings problems of its own because air air press because of the aeration, it tends to compress the flavors a little bit and mute it like a watercolor. So if you're using three different flavors, you have or three different uh, colors, you have the one the middle parts are smudged together. So the flavor separation is not as clear and distinct in AeroPress dilutions or AeroPress coffees, uh, which is why we can use a filter, like as an example, a, a flatbed or a cone filter brewer to create a, pretty much the same thing. So a concentrate and then diluting that down because that's just more consistent. And if the coffee is darker roast, what we usually do is we just fill, uh, just use a uh, flatbed bottom brewer for a dark roast with lower temperature because what you can get with that is a nicer, crisper acidity, but still retain a level of of uh, like flavor separation without having all the burnt flavors. Some great uh, pro tips right there. Uh, I really liked the uh, AeroPress watercolors analogy. I've never heard that before. I think it's great. Yeah, it's it's very it's after you start thinking about it, you're like, oh, that's actually true because like nobody nobody ever considers it. That's why if you take a look at the compulsory scores from past years and ask the people who've done somewhere around in the middle, like uh, less than are below 16, no, below 10, but above 25 in that range in terms of the competitors. It's mostly AeroPress, uh, AeroPress dilutions. Then the top 10, that's where you start to get like uh, differences in terms of brewing methods. I always remember uh, uh, a friend of mine called Ula uh, from Norway who did. Milan actually as well. He got the best brew, uh, compulsory score in in Brewers Cup. He was literally ranked number one in Brewers Cup in Milan uh, in terms of just a compulsory score after the first round. 
uh, he did make he did go a lot of overtime, which caused him to be disqualified or not disqualified, but like eliminated. But based on and he just like when I asked him like what did you do with that, he was like I literally just brewed it, nothing else. <laughs> so that's when you start to get at uh, the top ten. You start to get different mentalities towards compulsory. You start to get people with who have an amazing sense of taste who can go like who can die who can um, dive in a coffee based on taste alone and don't need to use these techniques and are so confident in their brewing skills and the choice of their brewer that they can literally take the compulsory coffee taste it a few times and be like this is the way i'm going to dial this in and this is going to be perfect and then they just make three different v60s or different filter brews and dish out that dish that out to the judges and they're like yeah this guy is good it's good let's go 189 points out of a <laughs> what is it 200 possible 200 possible don't don't test me on that i've not memorized the uh the brews score sheets uh so i suppose that ties in quite well to end of last year they announced new rules for the Bristol championship and brewers cup particularly focusing uh, around changes in the score sheets like do you feel confident that you fully got your head around that have you been through a bit of a process getting used to the new rules yes uh i do enjoy the new rules because i think they're actually leveling the playing field a little bit they introduced uh times two multipliers for overall as well which was very interesting and it, they eliminated the times three multipliers and if i remember correctly there were times three multipliers for sweetness and uh sweetness and texture last year which was eliminated down to two times and i think it is the new rules the new score sheets what they're focusing on is not the coffee characteristics anymore. It's the overall that's actually more important. The, it's, it's more of a holistic approach to a competition coffee. So it has to be a good and positive flavor experience, which I think is the key to understanding the new uh, score sheets because it's not about one item anymore. Like during when I was competing in Milan, it was about sweetness and texture, which is literally why Eugenoides won every category from uh, barista numbers one, two, and three to Brewer's Cup number one. I was literally just all Eugenoides combined with, uh, Matt Winton blended it with Katukai from La Florida and, uh, Andrea Allen with Coffee Grand Hala Esperanza Geisha. Hugh Kelly can. What did he do? Liberica? Uh, Liberica, yeah. Oh. Uh, which is actually interesting. Uh, we, we can talk about that later because I'm going to be doing a Koji Liberica in Vietnam, which is going to be freaking nice. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that's why all of those competitors did really well because the. the managed to put a coffee that excelled in the qualities that was required by the score sheet which really focuses the attention on the their support team and their coaches because 
those coaches need to be able to tell them like, hey, you want to use this coffee because this and this and this, and you got to play the rule sheet a little bit in terms of the competition, which as a competitor, you might overlook. But your coach has to be there to be like, okay, so this are these are the things that we're going to do in order to maximize your scores. Because in the end, it is a score competition, which I do not 100% support, but I think it should be more about the baristas and the skill and their sort of, sort of uh, the ability to make a good coffee without it being pretentious. And, but yeah, I think the new score sheets are leveling the playing field a little bit because it brings the attention to the flavor experience more about how well the acidity is integrated, how well the body is complementing the aftertaste, how well the aftertaste is actually, is it integrated into the coffee at all, or is it just bitter and dark or just like ashy, or in the case of Liberica sometimes, a little grainy with like, you know, that kind of aspirin graininess. And, uh, but I think it also creates totally new opportunities in terms of coffee selection and what we can do with uh, as as coaches and as people who are sourcing competition coffee to competitors what we can do what i think that we're going to be seeing a lot more is a lot more coffees with uh, with inoculation processes with but more more higher end inoculation process not as distinct used as a kind of seasoning to an already pre-existing good enough of a varietal like pink for bone um cedra geisha no some some geishas as well maybe not as much geisha i think geisha is not going to be that popular in the next brewers cup and next baristas i think it's going to be shifting towards other less known varietals but blends are going to be are going to be the keyword for uh next at least two competition cycles yes yeah, it's, it's quite easy to spot the emerging trends like um last year in melbourne there was uh, a lot of cedra and like you said blends are coming back there was the japanese guy in the finals who was blending in like a, a gram of robusta and you know things like that so it's funny how a lot of these things seem to happen concurrently without any sort of uh, internal conversation. Because um, when I competed last year, I used a, a Cedra and I I just spoke to the producer and I was like, look, what's the best, most delicious thing you've got available that's fresh? And that's mm. what we got. And then all of a sudden it was like, you know, it won the world championship. Claire came third. She had uh, Cedra. Um, but I suppose a lot of the time with uh, cultivars and varietals, it could be something has become available. Quite a lot of producers have planted it. And then what, like three or four years later, there's a lot of it going around, I guess. Yeah, we can totally see the Cedra being uh, somehow related to Ju Young's win in 2019. So in, everybody's probably had already planted cedar in 2018, but this is 
you can you can see that you can see the the sort of demand being already created in 2019 la palmas already planting more cedra uh it's a lot of the producers i know are getting cedra seeds uh colombia like um uh, a lot of the farms i know in colombia just bought their cedra seeds from ecuador really good seed stock by the way uh but like it's it, if you analyze it hard enough you can start to see the trends and you can start to predict a certain certain pattern of trends being formed a few years earlier a few years earlier like as an example my prediction for the not this or the next one but in three years for 20 26 and 2027 i think washed geisha is going to be coming back a little bit <laughs> oh, i love a washed geisha like super high aromatics and florals best um so tell me about your koji fermented liberica in vietnam so what's going on with that i've never tried liberica before ah uh, it's interesting it is i was I saw this one person in Vietnam who did the Vietnamese Barista Championships, and uh, they had also seen my run in Milan, and they were very impressed by that, which I, which for me is a very is, is a massive compliment. And what they did is that they started actually focusing on elevation, processing method, picking, sorting, and and processing of liberica because what liberica is it's actually uh the largest producer of liberica is nestle nestle is uh the one who's purchasing the most of liberica because liberica is essentially nescafe gold instant and because it's also a varietal that grows like a dandelion it can grow on concrete it will grow wherever it will doesn't need anything it's very resistant and I have a very, I have massive interest in specialty liberica. It's kind of like not, not even like because there's specialty robusta, which is totally different. But uh, specialty liberica can be something amazing because what this guy did, he did a koji natural liberica for his milk drink, which was amazing. What people talk when they talk about liberica, especially in the specialty coffee uh, industry, is that it has a lot of phenolic qualities, which are tasting like uh, fresh rubber boots, that like uh, water hose that's on a summer day outside, and then you turn on turn on a tap and you like have a taste of the water, and you're like, oh, this tastes like sweet rubber, and it's it does have some in some in some cases liberica does have those qualities, but what we ended up talking and because we ended up talking about this and uh we both agree that it can be a defect in the processing of the coffee because he sent me samples he sent me green and roasted of his competition coffee uh which does not have it has a tiny a tiny minuscule amount of that uh phenolic qualities but it's showcasing such an interesting potential that i'm actually going to go there 
next March or next February to process a new version of a codified Liberica that we're going to also be doing another another uh, experiment with a yeast uh, that we're going going to be that I'm having made uh, for that and some other experiments which are going to be very interesting because if those experiments go really well there is a chance that if one of one day competitors is going to win their nationals we could could push that to the worlds at brewers because it, it, the one the, the one test that i had it as a blender it tasted amazing it was complementary to the current score sheet which no not in a good way not in a good way like it's like the coffee that i tasted was still 87 points maximum literally just maximum but it was it had potential you know you taste when you taste the coffee you're like okay so this could be amazing if it what if it didn't have this and this and this quality but if we could work those out it's there there's a there's a your mind just starts going like we could potentially use this we can do this differently we could make this work so i'm trying to get i'm trying to make that work that's really exciting i'm uh i'm looking forward to seeing the results um do you have any general advice uh, other than uh come and work with kappa one day competitors do you have any general advice for first-time competitors yes uh folk if you're on if you're in uh, brewers focus on your uh compulsory that's that's going to get you to uh, the finals then in finals just be very precise don't do anything extra check make checklists make an a4 that has literally everything you need and at the right order so you can just check those out especially if you're a single individual competitor if there are there are a lot of those competitors who just haven't read the rules so just read the rules and ask your friends ask your colleagues what does this rule mean because those are your friends and colleagues they might know better and they might know somebody who knows the rules because they're a judge or something like that and they can ask around what that means and what that means to you in terms of your competition so read the rules because you will get there there are there are some really very 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 stupid things in there that you can overlook as a competitor so always as an example always fill your cups serve your cups read the rules read them again read them three times read them before you go to bed like have them on your bedside and then when you wake up in the morning read them again then start focusing on your compulsory compulsory uh brewing because you need to be able to in a very short amount of time you need to be able to dial in a coffee that you don't know but read the rules there are ways and there are things in the rules that say tell you how the coffee is going to be like so read them and it's going to be good uh for baristas get a good team you need people around you you need people who can take care of your who can be your runners so that you don't have to push a lot of your own effort into 
um, into the unnecessary stuff. But also make sure that your coffee, your espresso is tasting amazing. Always dial in, always test before you go on stage. And even during prep time, test on stage. That's necessary because if your coffee's changed, you have to be able to dial it in during your prep time. Yeah, those, um, what is it, 10, 15 minutes prep time in barista, like it just flies by. So you yep. need to make sure you're comfortable squeezing in a quick uh, dial in during that time. Cool. Um, moving on to some lighter stuff. Um, former multiple time UK Coffee and Good Spirits champion Dave Jameson uh, says, did you hear the Finland Eurovision entry? And what did you think? <laughs> I did. I did. I did hear that. That was, it's been playing on the radio a lot. And a lot of my a lot of my friends are constantly just you know singing it, putting it on speakers when they work at the shop. I'm just like, no, not anymore. <laughs> uh, it's it's a very good uh, representation of Finnish uh, modern pop, but it's <laughs> it's fun. It literally like his name literally means a person who rolls a lot of like you know things you smoke so it's fun uh do you have any guilty pleasures from, like finnish modern pop i do i do sometimes i listen to this very 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 electronic finnish pop that's just not great not great at all but it's it's so energizing because of all the electronic since and everything just the basis of like absolute garbage <laughs> but it's it's very energizing and very motivating to be like yeah i can push on i can i can totally go on <laughs> and it's fun awesome yeah do you ever like crank it on in the cafe when you've got a large queue and it just gets you in the right zone for uh making the drinks sometimes but for those uh, for those situations, I usually put on like, uh, our, uh, what is it, drum and bass? Because that just makes you go. You're just like, okay, so now we push, we go. <laughs> Was there uh, anything else you were hoping to talk about today that I didn't bring up? Do you have any sort of other thoughts on competition that we haven't got to? Well, maybe if I can put in a, uh, like a, a little advertisement. So for anybody who's listening, uh, and if you're interested in competitions, feel free to get in touch and we can talk about your next Brewers Cup or Baristas. If you need assistance, if you need help, if you need a competition coffee that you know you can't afford, uh, we can talk. We can totally, I can, we can totally help you out and it would be fun to work together. That's amazing. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. And I'll definitely make sure if I'm chatting with anybody about competition that I send them your way as well. No, please do. It's uh, what I love about competitions is that it brings people together. And 
Justice Foundation is an opportunity to make something better that's more than a sum of its parts. Awesome. Thanks, Capo. Thank you. This has been amazing. And thanks for the opportunity for to talk on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hello Judges. It was great chatting with Capo about everything from the SCA chapters to Brewers Compulsory to Vietnamese Koji Liberica. If you're thinking of competing and need some support, make sure you hit Capo up. My guest next week is Coffee Masters champion Yanis Podens from Coffee Collective. Make sure you subscribe to stay up to date. World of Coffee in Athens is coming up at the end of the month. If you see anyone there that you think should be on the podcast, send me a DM on at WAWBanks on Instagram. As always, thank you for the opportunity to share this delicious podcast with you. Time 